KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu. Good morning, I'm Teppi Cruz. It's Wednesday, September 14th. Youth depression is on the rise. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The San Diego County Board of Supervisors voted unanimously yesterday to continue the local monkeypox health emergency. The virus causes flu-like symptoms, along with painful rashes, and is spread through close contact. 351 cases have so far been reported in San Diego County, but the number of new cases has continued to decline in recent weeks. Health officials say our region likely saw the peak in cases during the first week in August. Monkeypox vaccines are in limited supply, but allocations from the state have slowly been increasing. Locally, 10 people have been hospitalized from the virus, with no deaths reported. The Port of San Diego is preparing to begin its busiest cruise season since 2010. All ships are currently at or near full capacity, and the port is seeing a 45% increase from last year. Officials say they're expecting around 460,000 passengers to sail from San Diego in the coming months. The Port of San Diego is California's third busiest cruise port after Long Beach and Los Angeles. Gas prices are slowly creeping up again, The average price for a gallon of regular gas in San Diego County rose yesterday to $5.36. The average price has increased nearly 15 cents over the last 11 days, according to AAA and the Oil Price Information Service. Gas price analysts say the price increases because the West Coast is dealing with a tight supply. Some refineries have taken some units offline for maintenance or have equipment problems. The State Energy Commission says prices should start to drop again in the coming week. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Rates of depression among local youth have been on the rise for the last decade, according to San Diego County's Behavioral Health Services. The pandemic has only exacerbated the problem, not only here, but across the state. In California, rates of anxiety and depression among children shot up by 70% between 2016 and 2020. Suicide rates increased by 20% in 2020 alone, and in many places, there aren't enough mental health professionals to meet the needs of youth. Amy Bintliff, who works in this space as a developmental psychologist with a focus on adolescent mental health and well-being at UCSD, joined KPBS's Jade Heidman to talk about the growing problem. As school starts back, we get a better understanding of what students are struggling with. Uh, Can you talk about what you're seeing and what's driving these issues? We're seeing students that are grieving. We've had a large number of students who have lost, if not their father or mother, other caregivers and family members. So there's a lot of grief. 
we also have disconnection where students are just feeling disconnected from community, even from their schools. There's also a sense of loneliness that's occurred because of the pandemic, but has continued as youth are coming back to school. So these problems are really difficult, especially the disengagement. When students are having mental health crises, their engagement with school drops, and it's really hard to reconnect them because their brain is actually going through a lot. So we have to find a way that we can welcome them back and get them connected again with their schools, with their peers, and with our communities. And all of that highlights the need for mental health professionals in schools and the community, but there just aren't enough. You're a former teacher from where you sit. Uh, Why do you think that is? One of the reasons has been that this situation of mental health has been documented clearly over the years, and we just haven't listened. So as systems in California, there's been advocacy for years around these issues, but there were always other pressing concerns. I think that the high standards on testing has made a big difference because if a school district has to make a decision to hire a teacher or to hire a counselor, they're put in a bind because of the mandated testing And they'll make the choice to hire a teacher because that will um, help them to reach some of those testing goals. And so I think that schools have been put in a difficult situation because of lack of funding and just because a lack of focus on these issues. What the pandemic has really done is that the anxiety and suicidality has been on the rise across communities. So from an equity perspective, more affluent parents are getting involved in this. And when we think about equity situations, as soon as these problems start to transfer throughout multiple groups, advocacy becomes louder. Hmm. You know, it's it's been difficult for schools to meet the needs of students, but what are teachers and counselors dealing with? Teachers and counselors are dealing with a lot of compassion fatigue. We did a two-year study with teachers in San Diego Unified and around the county. And one of the things that teachers were really forced to do is is to find ways to support social-emotional needs of students. And they were really on the front lines, both teachers and counselors, of listening to students and their concerns. Um, That built up. So we have teachers that are also suffering from anxiety and depression We have teachers and counselors that were really overworked during this time and also had the stressors that we've all experienced with getting COVID, um, sometimes multiple times, and also worrying about their friends and family. Governor Gavin Newsom announced the state is going to invest $4.7 billion for mental health support for youth across the state. And to address some of the issues you've mentioned, where do you see that funding needed most right now? I think that the goal to hire more counselors and to provide support for students who are interested in going into school counseling is one great step. I think some of the community school initiatives are really brilliant. How do we go back to creating these neighborhood centers? I think the other thing that would be wonderful is to focus more funding on before and after school programming. We also need to focus on prevention. So what are the systemic issues that are driving some of these things? This isn't appearing out of the blue. 
it's very connected to social inequalities that we're seeing across the board in California. That was Amy Bintleff, a developmental psychologist with a focus on adolescent mental health and well-being at UCSD, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Heidman. If you or someone you know is experiencing thoughts of suicide or a behavioral health crisis, you can call 988. While a bill banning abortions nationwide was introduced in Washington, D.C. yesterday, California launched a website to provide information on abortion access. KPBS reporter Tanya Thorne has more. Governor Gavin Newsom has launched a new abortion resource in California. A resource for those seeking reproductive care, whether you live here or not. Abortion.ca.gov is now online. The website has information on abortion providers, financial resources, and help that's available to those traveling from another state. It includes information on your right to an abortion and information if you're traveling to California from another state that has restricted your reproductive care. The site does not track you or your personal information. Abortion remains legal and protected in California. We have your back. California voters will have the opportunity to amend the state's constitution and enshrine the right to an abortion in the November elections. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Experts at UC San Diego spent a year studying extortion in Tijuana. They found that most business owners are too afraid to actually report this crime to authorities. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis dug into this invisible crime wave. Researcher Romain Lacour spent a year walking the streets of Tijuana talking to business owners about extortion. He calls these regular shakedowns invisible crimes because so few victims actually report them to the authorities. It is one of the most underreported crime, less than 1%. Uh, of, of extortion cases are actually reported by the victim to the judicial systems. But even though it starts out as an invisible crime, extortion often leads to more visible acts of violence, especially when businesses refuse to pay. LeCour believes that addressing extortion as a root cause of crime could reduce more visible and violent crimes in Tijuana. The city averages more than 2,000 homicides a year, making it one of the most dangerous cities in Mexico. But LeCour says that politicians have no incentive to actually address extortion. Again, the authorities will tell you, my constituents ask me to do something about homicide because the numbers and the figures for homicide are extremely visible. Why should I invest time, energy, money, my career, my reputation in tackling something that doesn't appear on on the record? Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. Coming up, How 3D printing technology is changing manufacturing. We'll have that story and more after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, 
Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. The San Diego City Council yesterday selected a team to redevelop the sports arena property. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says Midway Rising proposes thousands of new apartments. 4,250 apartments, to be exact, plus a new arena, a hotel, retail, and 20 acres of parks and open space. 2,000 of the apartments would be affordable to low-income renters. That's more than the two other competing proposals. Council President Sean Ila Rivera says if the developers lower the amount of affordable housing in their final plan, he won't stand for it. Uh, That 2,000 to me is a floor that I struggle to see myself you know, being okay with being diverted from. Tuesday's vote is only the start of exclusive negotiations with Midway Rising. Talks between the two sides are expected to last two to four years, with the project built out over about a decade. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria yesterday signed off on a loan with the Environmental Protection Agency to fix the city's aging storm drain system. But as KPBS reporter Alexander Wynn tells us, environmentalists say a lot more is needed. Last weekend, the remnant of Hurricane Kate brought some much-needed rain to San Diego. But the rain also washed debris, trash, and other pollutants into the storm drain system. At Joyous Creek in Logan Heights, trash and debris sit stagnant in the water. That's why Lucero Sanchez from San Diego Coastkeeper is glad the mayor signed off on a $733 million loan from the Environmental Protection Agency. Yes, $733 million is a lot. It's only a drop in the bucket when it comes to the stormwater infrastructure we need. It's continuing to grow every single year. The city has a $1.4 billion stormwater infrastructure shortfall. The EPA loan will cover roughly 49% of the deficit. More than 80 projects will be funded under the loan, and the city says it will reduce the amount of pollution in the waterways. Alexander Wynn, KPPS News. Three D printing has brought innovation and flexibility to the creation of goods that was never available in traditional factories. KPBS science and technology reporter Thomas Fudge has the story. Walk onto the factory floor of Incept 3D in Mira Mesa and you hear the low din of machines and you see there are more than 100 3D printers in action. They're making everything from replicas of human bones to housings for electronics and tap handles for San Diego breweries. It's basically a very sophisticated hot glue gun. Company founder and CEO Michael Armbruster explains the process as he points to a roll of thermoplastic cord on a 3D printer. You've got filament that goes up through a tube and it comes out of this very tiny nozzle. The 3D printer will then travel along the X and Y plane depositing that filament onto the part. And that's in a nutshell how 3D printing works. 
the printer nozzle darts across the object, making, in this case, the model of a mold for a cement structure. Some objects are made in 24 hours, some are made overnight. Armbruster says he got hooked on 3D printers 10 years ago because he loved making things and immediately saw the potential of 3D printing. I was just blown away that this technology completely disregards complexity as a challenge. The machines simply don't care. You can then build any shape. He says 3D printing is great as long as you are making a diversity of products or small volumes of the same thing. They cannot compete with conventional manufacturing when you want to make 10,000 identical items. Factories using predetermined molds can punch out product a lot faster. Carolyn Freund is an economist at UCSD who is dean of the School of Global Policy and Strategy. She has studied how 3D printing has affected trade, and she says it has increased international trade among those products that are commonly printed. She says 3D printing excels at the innovation end of product creation. 3D printing allows you to design many, many, many different parts and components and then test them out. So you can find which one works the best and then use that one for your mass production. And then there are products where every one of them needs to be a little bit different. Because you can literally scan whatever you need and then individualize that product. So a really good example is in hearing aids where you can scan the cavity of someone's ear and create a product that uniquely fits that ear. Another example of that is making artificial limbs, which is what San Diego-based Limber Prosthetics and Orthotics does. UCSD engineering doctoral student Joshua Pels is the CEO of Limber P&O. He holds out an artificial lower leg made of cream-colored plastic. This is the Limber Unileg. It is a single-piece prosthesis that is 3D printed in just half of a day. So you press start at the night, and you pull it off looking just like this in the morning, ready to go onto an amputee, allowing them to get back out into the world. Back at Incept3D, Michael Armbruster shows me the printed spine of a young child based on CT scans from a children's hospital. They're preparing for a surgery on the child. Armbruster says while 3D printing seems very innovative, it's not new technology. So why the recent explosion in its use? Expiring patents have totally changed the industry. It was this tiny little market that only the most high-end people would use. Then some patents expired, some big ones, the ones that allow for all of this. There are new uses for 3D printing. In medicine, organic printing of some body parts, like heart valves, is in development. Some construction companies are beginning to make 3D printed houses. It works off a computer program, of course, but their printer pours cement. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day.